Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining me once again for another tremendous episode of Trad Queen Story Hour. I'm joined this evening by the inestimable Will Chamberlain, who is the legal counsel, senior counsel, excuse me, I almost got that wrong, um, for the IAP project, as well as for, oh my gosh. Article 3 project. Article 3 project. Thank you, sir. Let me try that again. Senior counsel at the IAP and at the Article 3 project. Will, how have you been doing since I last saw you? Doing great. Kids, uh, little girl's doing very good. She's almost 16 months old and uh, enjoying time here in Arlington. Awesome. So I remember when she was born. That seems like really, really recently. Time flies. Apparently, I must be getting old, but I'm very happy to hear that. She's adorable. What have you been up to lately, Will? Not too much. Um uh, let's see. I'm, I'm getting involved in a representation of a January 6th defendant. We'll see how that goes. Uh, although this one, this is a, someone who's already been convicted and is just awaiting sentencing. So it's, mm. it's a bit like that's where the stakes are on that. Um, but also just, you know, doing my normal thing, advocating on tech and uh, some, some judicial issues. Very cool. Does it feel kind of lonely being in that part of the country and holding your kind of not insane views? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, there's there's a good number of conservative journalists that are sort of in our social circle, so that that helps a, a decent amount. But yeah, no, of course we're. I mean, we're surrounded by liberals here, and you know, them's the break. Well, yeah, so it goes, I guess. And it's very important to stay strong in these blue areas. I know people are like, "Flee! You have to get out of these big cities." And it's like, you want to let go of them entirely? I feel like that might not be the best approach. I mean, we're. This is not a place we're going to stay long term, and certainly where we wouldn't want to stay to raise a family. Uh, so you know, we're we're not. We're not, you know, our lease is up in July. We'll see how much longer we actually stay. Nice. <laughs> so nice. I'm not, I don't want to get fully on board with a like, oh man, we can't leave the blue areas. Like we're, we're we would like thinking to about it. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Makes it. Sense. Gotcha, gotcha. That does make sense. Yeah, I, I'm so torn because I'm like, I, I think there's going to be a great sort happening. People talk a lot about like a civil war, and I'm like, I don't think we want a civil war. We don't want violence. We don't want people hurting each other. Everyone's all for a while there. Everyone was super gung ho about it. They're like, bring it on. We have what it takes. And I'm like. I don't think you want that. Um, what you probably really would rather have is a great natural sort where people who agree with other people like them end up near those people and then people who disagree with them. Yeah. I mean, people. you don't, you don't want to go to war with the federal government. I think people underestimate just how strong the federal government is relative to where it was in 1865. And let's remember that the federal government won in 1865 uh, after killing something like 5% of the population of the country uh, yeah. and setting the South to ruin so yeah. no the civil war is bad um <laughs> i think I th I, not my that's certainly i think my least controversial take uh we don't want a civil war <laughs> and i think if you're upset i mean you just need to go to an area with like-minded people and and you know kind of fight for to limit the extent the federal government has control over your life and i mean really at the end of the day florida is pretty awesome it's it's pretty awesome despite having a bad federal government like you know the the gop there does a really good job of making that a very livable state for sure. For sure. Which I really, truly appreciate. Oh, my mic is going crazy. Pardon me. It has a mind of its own. I think it has a ghost. Um, what do you think? Mm. I tweeted about this earlier today, and it's very troubling to me. So the Biden DOJ has decided to file a suit against Tennessee over their transgender affirming surgery law, saying that that should not ever be allowed in their state. What do you think about that? Does that trouble you? Uh, it's not surprising, given, I think, the Bostock ruling of the Supreme Court and where the Biden DOJ is and unbelieving this, they think that 
you know, the, what this, this butchery is in fact uh, medical care, which I think is like the first major, you know, divide between our side and theirs. Like we see this as this is butchery. Uh, this has no real medical purpose. Uh, there's no evidence it actually improves outcomes for the people who get it. Uh, it the, the evidence suggests that on the contrary, they are, you know, they're more, more likely, if anything, to commit suicide and things like that after they get the surgery that is supposedly supposed to solve their mental health problems. Um, so, I mean, there's just this massive difference of opinion, but given the way that the left understands this issue, right, the left understands this as this is necessary medical care for a, um, uh, an oppressed minority and Tennessee is trying to fight that. Well, it's not surprising that they're trying to use civil rights law, um, to overturn what Tennessee is doing. Interesting. So what is Bostock? Do you want to break that down for us real fast? Oh, Bostock, uh, I'm not super familiar with the case, but I know the basic outlines. It was the, it, it extended the Civil Rights Acts of 1964, and, and I think it was the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and, and Equal Protection. It extended that to uh, um, gender identity in particular. So it said that um, because gender, basically their argument is that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 explicitly prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex, and the idea is that gender is inextricably intertwined with sex, and therefore this gender discrimination is also prohibited, meaning discrimination against trans people is prohibited. That's the, the basic logic of that holding. I don't think that's right. I don't think that, I think that gender and sex are fundamentally distinct. I think that's actually one of the basic premises of much of the left's, mo or I guess the early modern gender theory talk about like Judith Butler and various things where they, they talk about the distinction between biological sex and gender. Um, but, and, and so I think that that ruling was wrong, but that's the ruling that was made. And given that that's the ruling that was made, it's not surprising that the Civil Rights Department is going after Tennessee. They're really just following in the, the outline that is laid out for them, which should really not surprising but at the same time do you think this is going to amp up do you think this is going to get worse as we go forward like i feel like we're losing our state's rights oh yeah i i think at some point there there probably will be a resolution at the federal level about whether anybody's allowed to either prohibit these surgeries or do them um, and so control the federal government still matters in the sense of you know if we get people who are like-minded in the doj and also on the courts then they will see things our way and maybe get to the point where we have, you know, I, I think, cause I believe that the way this care should be looked at, you know, I, remember, I think Michael Knowles said something a few months back about transgenderism should be eradicated from the public square. And right. he got huge backlash for that. People are like, you want genocide? It's like, no, no, no. I mean, he, he eradicated is an aggressive word, but I like what he's saying really is that basically we want in the public square to go back to the world where everybody sees gender dysphoria as a mental illness and that these, the cure for mental illness is not physical alteration of bodies to accord with mental illness, right? We don't, you know, like body dysmorphia doesn't, you know, we don't like, we don't cut off healthy, healthy people's limbs because to make them feel more, you know, in, at home in their own body. Right. So basically the way to look at it is this is a mental illness. These quote unquote gender affirming treatments are butchery, medical malpractice, the lawyer, the doctors that do them um, at a minimum should risk being sued into oblivion. Uh, because what they're doing is not medically sound. And if uh, failing that, perhaps even criminal charges, but most, most certainly like, you know, that's, that's the way this needs to be looked at. It's not saying, you know, this is not trans genocide, quote unquote. This is like, no, 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 this is a mental illness. We understand that some people have it and have to live with it, et cetera. But the, these, these butchery treatments, like we're not, they're not medically sound and right. no one thinks they are.
everybody thinks they're absurd in the same Absolutely. way that you would like, you know, again, cutting off somebody's like arm because they think they shouldn't have an arm. You'd say that's medically absurd. We w- we're not going to do that. Exactly. Well, you could probably really make an easy comparison to lobotomies, which were yeah. touted as like this wonderful cure for everything from migraines to depression to anxiety, literally everything. They're like, oh, all you have to do is take an ice pick and just, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. obviously that was a horrible idea. And what I noticed from that, that I think we can translate over to the trans conversation was that they were attempting to treat things that were mental with physical solutions. And yeah. when you look when you look at our current medical care, you know, like outlines, there's nothing else that we do that for. So if we were to return to the idea that gender dysphoria is mental and needs to be handled mentally, then we could actually have a much more productive, much more compassionate conversation we just saw this story about an 18-year-old who died because of a heinously botched surgery and puberty blockers. Like, the combination of those two things was just actually literally lethal for this person. And that is just yeah. so sad, and it should not be happening. And but I mean, whether or not that's criminal, it certainly is negligent, right? Like, that's a lack of reasonable care on the part of doctors going all the way back to the first one that prescribed puberty blockers. It's right. a lack of reasonable care on their part. They should all be able to be liable for malpractice and the family should be able to, you know, sue them and get paid into, you know, and that would stop, that would stop all this nonsense real quick. Right. Yeah. Like doctors yeah. realizing that their malpractice rates, if they did this type of surgery would just skyrocket, would just stop. And, you know, we'd solve a lot of problems. Yeah. I think you're entirely correct. I think that's, what's going to happen. I think Chloe Cole is going after the doctors that were affiliated with, I think Kaiser Permanente. There's a lady in Canada who's doing the same thing up there. On that front, it looks pretty bright, but when you look at the DOJ pushing this kind of stuff through, that's troubling to me. Um, and it feels like the federal government is intent on putting, currently at this point, and it's in, in this iteration of the left-leaning federal government, it feels like they're intent on putting a king into power to make sure that they push all of their ideas through, regardless of the actual, you know, um, checks and balances. That and, we we, and we know the end goal. They want what Canada has, which is laws that say that uh, parents must affirm their child's gender expression. Right. Right, regardless of bi- underlying biological sex. And if they don't, it's child abuse. That's that's the world they want, right? Yes. They want, like, doesn't matter if both parents... So right now, you're actually in a situation in the United States where you really want to make sure you marry someone who agrees with you. Because if you marry someone who disagrees with you of a divorce, they can manage the child's care and put them right. on the transition carousel. Um, but right now, if you both agree then, you know, the state's not going to get in the way of parental decision-making. Right. Um, if the parents are on a unified front. But that's not true in Canada, right? That's not – and that, yeah. that could not be true in a lot of other places where it's like they, they view the child – if a child decides they're the other gender, you as the parents just lose all your rights to say, no, 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 this is gender dysphoria. We want to see this treated um, as opposed to you going – take getting all these bizarre surgeries and hormone treatments that are going to ruin your life. Right, for sure. Well, we can see Washington and California already kind of putting the runaway child, like this, there's this little way they can get around actual reasonable law by saying if your kid runs away and they're trying to transition to a different gender, then they come to our state. We don't have to tell you about it, and we can help them get gender transition treatments and surgeries if that's what they want. And, and we're going to need, I mean, if we actually want to win this, we will need to win back power and enact federal law that essentially uh, supersedes, you know, what, what a, uh, 
what they're doing. Hold on one, one second. You're uh, good. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. You're right that we need to win back power, though, at the federal level. How do we do that, Will? What do you think our path is there? Who's going to win? Um, well, uh, I mean, we'll get more into this. Uh, we need to win the presidency back in 2024. Sure. Uh, yeah. That seems very straightforward. Um, and, you know, I, I'm becoming more and more convinced that, you know, it, the simple, the real simple answer is, like, it really comes down to whether we nominate Trump again or DeSantis. And, and mm. the reason I think that is because I don't think Trump can win. Uh, not a primary, but I, I don't think he can win a general election. Mm. Uh, he lost the last one. Um, in the interim between the time he lost the last one and now, he's uh, done a bunch of stuff that has alienated a slew more moderates and independents. Um, there's no room for growth. The polls, mm. all the polls that suggest this, right, that independents loathe him, that they don't like Biden, but they hate Trump more. And... I don't think he's going to win. And if we lose power again in 2024, that's four more years of left-wing radical judges. Um, that could potentially mean losing the House back to the Democrats because you got to remember, like, the House, we have a very tiny majority in the House. If we were to lose a presidential election, we'd likely simultaneously lose the House too. Mm. And we, we wouldn't have control of DOJ. We wouldn't have control of anything. Um, so, you know, all these, you know, it's weird to say that so much rides on a primary election. But in my view, I mean, the numbers bear it out. If we don't take power back, all that we can complain all we want about trans issues, we'll just lose because right. we'll lose control of the federal government. Right. So we got we got to win. We can't we can't lose. We have to win. Right, and that, I'm I'm really very much on the same page with you here. I I um am very concerned for the next four years, um and I don't. Heaven help us if we lose to Joe Biden. I gave him a, a an expletive of a nick, uh, middle name at the end of one of my previous shows, because I cannot imagine a world in which we lose to Joe Biden again. Um, right. It, it's terrible. And, and, you know, people call me a never Trumper. I'm starting to get some of that, which is super weird because I was a Trump supporter and voted for him twice in 2016 and 2020. And I'll right. even say now Trump wins the primary. I'll vote for him in the general. And mm -hmm. I think Trump, if, if Trump were sitting in office in February, 2025, that's a good outcome. It's not right. the best outcome in my view. I think there, I think DeSantis would be better. But it's a good outcome, right? It means Republicans have control of the government. It means right. there's a Republican presidential administration. And it also means it's not a neoconservative presidential administration because Trump True doesn't too. like the neocons. Yep. So, like, that's not that's not a bad outcome. That's an 80 percentile outcome. It's 85 percentile outcome. Like, I'd be perfect. I'm not going to sit here and let the perfect be the enemy of the good. The reason I say that it's so important to support DeSantis, why I think it's such a central thing, is because I don't think Trump can win in general. I, I think recent history suggests that you know, you look at, for example, Stacey Abrams in Georgia, right? Lost yeah. her lost her gubernatorial election, pulled the same kind of stunt where she said, oh, it's all stolen from me, blah, 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 never conceded defeat. Ran it, ran it back four years later and got smashed by seven or eight. <laughs> yeah. uh, Beto O'Rourke, you know, he had a close Senate election against Ted Cruz in 2018, where he only lost by like two, which Ooh. is in Texas of all places, yeah, right? He's crazy. the new star. But he runs for president, he loses again, and then he tries to run against Abbott for governor, and he gets smashed by 10, <laughs> right. right? So, like, these – when you nominate somebody who's already lost, and especially if they didn't accept the loss, and then hope that things just improve magically in four years, like, odds are they won't. And odds are that, like, a lot of the sort of swing voters that went for Trump – you know, because there, there are plenty of those swing voters that went for Trump in 2020, but a lot of those swing voters won't go for him again in 2024. 
that they've had it with them, that they're tired of them. And I mean, I speak from just personal experience and the anecdotes of like people I know who are not like partisan Republicans, but who voted Trump in 2020. They're like, I'm not voting for him again in 2024. Don't like right. him. Right. And, you know, I don't have that same attitude towards Trump where it's like, oh, man, I really don't like the guy anymore. It's like, eh, I, I, he, he is who he is. Right. But, <laughs> right. Like. I'm just conscientious of the fact that it's like, okay, well, if other people don't like him, then he's not going to win. And we need those, you know, we, we have other candidates that could win those voters. We should be looking at those other candidates. Right. I agree. It's really interesting that you bring up these two people that tried again after they lost, who refused mm -hmm. to admit that they had lost. I had not thought about that, but that's entirely correct. And something that we would probably benefit from bearing in mind because, that sounds like what's likely to happen again, especially when you look at the midterms. That did not go well for the people that Trump endorsed, which I think we should take as like a huge red flag when it comes to nominating him. Right. The midterms were, were a test of this thesis that, you know, after two years of Biden, everybody would be like, oh, we made a huge mistake. And right. let's, let's go back to the old way of doing things. And it's <laughs> like, not really, no. I mean, it was like, you know, there were plenty of messages that Biden wasn't very well liked. We did win back the House. But in general, like Trumpy candidates underperformed, right. you know, and and that's including people like, for example, like I really liked Blake Masters. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. liked him a lot. Um, yeah. I donated the max to his campaign. I really, I really liked him. Um, he lost by a lot. Like he lost by four in Arizona, which is which is a lot for a Republican right. to lose by in Arizona. Um, mm. And other candidates, you know, the only real victory we had from like the kind of populist side when it came to the Senate was Vance in Ohio. And I mean, Ohio is a really red state now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then, I mean, conversely, like you look at, I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, I think, think DeSantis is a populist too, but then you have DeSantis winning Florida by 20. Yeah. Um, you know, in a world where we just didn't have great performances anywhere else. After, after DeSantis, remember, I don't know if you remember like election night, DeSantis wins Florida by 20 early in the evening. We think, oh man, this is going to be, oh, we're going to crush it. And we just didn't, yeah, <laughs> you know, painful. like nothing, nothing, everything else went south and you're just sitting there like, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a mixed message. But I mean, to me, the obvious answer is, I mean, you know, I feel like it's, you know, the bell curve meme where, you know, you have like over here, maybe we should nominate the guy who won by 20. And then it's like, no, actually Trump stole the election, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then it's like the smart wizard. Smart is, people. Yeah. You should nominate the guy who won Florida by 20. <laughs> that's yeah. a smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I was listening to Tucker last night, preparing for last night's live stream, and he was talking about how for the midterms, he let himself get out over his skis in much the same way I did. Like, I really resonated with that speech because I did the same thing. Like, yeah. I went went out there and I was like, I don't think John Fetterman's gonna win. You know, all this stuff X Y Z, and everyone came back like, and they're like, you were wrong. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, the people Trump picked didn't win. I don't know what to tell you, and 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 that says less about my poor judgment skills when it comes to picking winners and losers than it does for Trump's power to convince people to vote for someone. Yeah. I mean, the Trump endorsement in general elections is a giant anchor. It's not, right. it doesn't help. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's great for the primary, especially in like a, you know, a contested primary with no incumbents. Right. Right. Then, then that's like a big, you know, anchor for, you know, candidate to get like a solid base of support. But in right. general, like, into, there's a lot of moderates and independents that can't stand the guy that are not opposed to voting Republican, have voted Republican, right. but they cannot stand Trump. And that's just, it's like, you can either, you can fight against the, you know, that reality all you want, or you can just like accept it and be like, okay, this can't be the guy in 2024. Like right. we really do need to make sure it's somebody else. That's not, we don't need to give up the entire political project, 
But there, there's another point that I think people need to consider when they're like, because I feel like so many people I know, and it's just like, we're all, you know, the train is coming down the track and everybody's standing in the fucking railway, and pardon my language, and we just, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's getting out of the way. And like the, the damage is, you know, we have this populist movement, right, that took control of the Republican Party in 2016. It has been kind of cementing its power right. over the party itself in the last eight years since Trump was first elected. And that's great. You know, we dislodged neoconservatives. Many yes. of them fled to the Democratic Party. Good, great. Riddance. Um, <laughs> you know, good riddance, right? Like, we we have changed the way, you know, people who want to run for office. The, I mean, the new people who come to office are much, much better than this, the former incumbents. Like, great. How did we do that? Well, well, we beat the old version, right? The old version demonstrated it couldn't win an election against Obama. It struggled. And then Trump came in and won a presidential election. So it's like we became into the ascendancy. And that's the way politics works. There's a natural momentum behind, you know, within within an, in, an inter-party squabble over ideology, the, the side that can get votes is going to have the advantage. The side that can win elections is going to have an advantage. If populists lose an election that badly, as I think we will if we nominate Trump again, right? That's the end of MAGA. It's the, and it's the end of populism. It could be the return of all these people we hate. Um, and so I, I, you know, and yet another reason why I think it's so central to like focus on, is there a guy who represents our values who can win a general because we can't lose another general. Yeah. We just can't two right. straight generals means, you know, like the, basically next time around, there's no way any, even anybody even close to Trump will, will have a chance. Right. I think. Right. I think you're right. Well, I think that we need to step away from tribalism and start moving toward pragmatism. Because the tribalism, I think, is really going to bite us. And I will say, full disclosure, 100%, thank God Twitter is not real life. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that Trump has a lot of fans. I've had, I have not received as much hatred from the left as I have from Trump fans at this point, which is really blowing same. my mind. Like, yeah, we're on the same side, dude. I just don't like your guy as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I mean, I'm getting, you know, Neo, like, there's people like, posting collages of former tweets of mine the, the really funny thing is when i say stuff about DeSantis, they're like posting collages of tweets of mine from like march 2020 when i was very hawkish on covid and like pro mask and all that stuff right and they're like see you were pro mask in 2020 and super hawkish on covid i'm like yeah ron DeSantis was way smarter than me you should support him <laughs> you should check out what he was up to <laughs> <Right>? yeah <laughs> like he disagreed with me and he was right and yeah. now I think he was right. So you should vote for him. You're like, no, I want to vote for Trump. I'm like, well, he was with me. Yeah, he was totally <laughs> right? on your he side. He agreed with me. Yeah. He was doing all this shit. He was the guy who put Fauci up there. Like, I'm not the big, you know, guy. You know, there were all, like the fire Fauci crowd. I was never in the fire Fauci crowd. Right. Um, until, until it was obvious he was failing. But like not in, you know, when people were really serious about that was early in the pandemic. I was never in that crowd. I was a COVID hawk. You disagree with me on that. That's fine. I have a presidential candidate for you who who is right in line with your views. He's the governor of Florida. <laughs> it's so interesting that DeSantis echoes so many of their views, but because they love Trump so much, it's very hard for them to see that. And it's it's the left spent the last five plus years calling people who love Trump cultists. And I obviously thought they were completely wrong. I was like, this is just a guy who's telling us something different that we've never heard before. He's not acting like any other politician. And I personally think that's fantastic. But these people now are, are re rejecting, I don't know, they're rejecting a really good candidate in favor of someone who has lost and not only lost, but cost us serious election 
victories and cost us like actual wins and who says things like take the guns first due process second and who says stuff this is very near and dear to me like pro-life is a losing issue for the gop these are things that i can't get behind like we know that this guy used to be a really really big democrat and i think that that needs to be remembered even by his biggest fans like he if left to his own devices he will likely revert to the things that got him through the first 60, 70 years of his life. Why wouldn't he? You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, I guess fandom is a good way to explain what we see, right? Like fandom right. in anything. I mean, there are fans of, you know, there are people who are really big fans of Trump. That's okay. I'm not even mad about that. I right, don't, yeah. I, I don't want to use like, I don't want to use pejoratives to describe people, right? Like even people who are in my mentions saying horrible things about me. It's like, okay, you're Trump fans. I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah. Like you're fans yeah. of the man. Okay. Right. So if I say, I don't think much of the man, you're going to be angry. Okay. That's fair. fine. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> right. Like you're not my intended audience. Right. Like I, I don't, I mean, or maybe you are in the sense of like, I hope to bring you around and get you to see that like, this is not the right way. This is not a good way for us as a party to be approaching politics, like in just fandom. Um, like, you know, this, this shit matters a lot more than that. And so, you know, we, we as a party need to get power back. And so I get right. you like Trump personally a lot. I used to too. I don't like him as much anymore, but I'm still fine with him. Um, but I, I guess, you know, they're like, I guess that's how I roll with that. I'm not, I'm not as angry at the people who support Trump, even the people in my mentions who are being obnoxious. Right, right, for sure. Well, I certainly don't blame them either. And I, I, I was fully on board with them for much of Trump's presidency. I thought he was doing great things. I was really glad to see some of the stuff he was doing. It was unorthodox. He was calling people out who really needed it. And I respect that and fully appreciate that. But then I started to notice that he would give interviews to people he thought he could get to like him and they would never go the way he planned. They would be twisted, you know, beyond the pale. They would never be in context. They would never, you know, cover him honestly. And I think he, he certainly deserved that, but he kept turning to people who would not give him that. And given his recent true social posts, um, I don't think that has changed at all. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing that I think people are, undercounting is you know i say like look trump trump doesn't care about policy right like and he he's i i don't like the term that he is the establishment because i don't think that's true but he's created his own establishment and they behave very similarly to the way the old neocon establishment behaved hmm. right in terms of bullying people into endorsements things like that um but the thing to understand about trump is like the old establishment was there to enforce an orthodoxy about right. ideas and policy so if you wanted to be a member of the old establishment, you had to support the Iraq war. You couldn't criticize neoconservatism, et cetera. That was very destructive because those ideologies were bad and wrong. Trump's establishment isn't enforcing the orthodoxy of policy, right? There's a – everybody – you know, you could be a – Lindsey Graham is there. J.D. Vance is there. Like those two people don't agree on anything, but they're in the Trump camp. What, well, what does it require? Well, it just, just requires being really nice to Donald Trump. Right. It requires just agreeing that Donald Trump is the man. That's that's the orthodoxy that the Trump establishment enforces. Right. Um, and Donald Trump is the man. And he should be the president. Like, that's the only unifying thing. But like, I, I almost feel like that's not even an ethos, though. Like, you guys don't there's no the, the only force of that is the force of Donald Trump's personality. I think it's inherently weaker than something like the old school neoconservative establishment. So I think, yeah, that's I think ultimately it will it will fall. You know, I think. I think people are underestimating, really underestimating DeSantis' chances. And once he gets in the race and actually starts running, he's just he's just a better candidate. He's smarter, more articulate, uh, sharper, younger, more energy. Like, you name it, he's got it. 
I think probably his biggest win at that point would be once he does, if I'm assuming he's going to enter and sooner rather than later, I hope. Um, I think probably his biggest win will be not having the baggage that Trump has. Um, I mean, Trump is a very, a very forceful personality. He's done crazy things in his past, but I think I will say at the end of the day, Donald Trump is 100% the cleanest president we've ever had. The stuff they're going after him for, wild to me he did yeah nothing (laughs) like what i mean it's the 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 storm daniel stuff is silly the i mean i think the even like the state level prosecutors going after him the classified document stuff it's all nonsense it's all it's all weak nonsense but the only thing we should see it as is an an indicator of how much people hate the guy like uh, you know there's not some big grand conspiratorial scheme coming from the left they just hate him and want to put him in jail and And more that the point, like you look at the polling, there's some interesting polling out there that asks them, you know, the general public two questions, which is like, do you think that these prosecutions are political? Most people say yes, something like 65%. Then the next question is, do you think it's a bad idea or are you opposed to these prosecutions? 65% say no. Oh, wow. <laughs> so solid like, no, 30% of the population, yeah, like wow. probably the middle thinks one, the prosecutions are nonsense and two, please do them because we're tired of this guy and we hate him. It's so funny <laughs> that you mentioned right. the word tired because exhaustion was the word that people associate with Trump most. Yeah. That's they're tired of him. They're tired yeah. of his stick. It's hard. Like, it's it's hard to it's hard to carry on with. It's hard to follow. It's hard it's hard to watch him be attacked relentlessly. You know, and even though I'm not the man in the arena, it's still tough to try to be like, okay, well, I you know, I defend him. You're wrong about this. And it, incredibly difficult and I don't I don't when the blame first him. primary votes like so when the next general comes around, the Trump shtick will have been going for over 9 years. Right. He'll have been, when you think about it, right, like he, he'll have been dominating our politics and our political rhetoric and our political just our dom- political discourse. Is better. He'll be, have been dominating our political discourse for over nine years. It's a really long time. Very few people manage to stay relevant and like interesting after all that. Most people lose their luster. Right. Like think about, you know, George, somebody as simple as George W. Bush, obviously not the charisma of Trump, whatever, but <laughs> okay. like much more liked early in his presidency. By two by within seven years, everybody hated the guy. His approval rating was completely in the tank. Like, right? You know, there's there's some there's a core fan base for Trump. I get that, but it's like I feel like the people who are saying, "Oh, he's totally electable," it's like you guys need to get out of. You need to go touch some grass and, and talk to normal people because yeah. you're not going to find those normal moderate independents who may well have voted for Trump in sixteen or in or twenty willing to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually really good advice because I find that I'm in a very, very blue part of the country, but people are still very civil. They're super nice. I had a lady return my wallet even after she knew my political views. She found my email by looking me up online. She knew exactly what I thought, and she still went out of her way to say, hey, you know what? I found your wallet. I'm sure you could probably use like your car keys and your (laughs) credit card and everything, so come get it. Here's my address. See you soon. It was so nice of her. And I'm like, that is a normal person. Like, normal people are not who you see on Twitter, okay? Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of crazies out there, like the people who get recorded in Minneapolis destroying stuff. That's like the real-world version of Twitter. But there aren't a lot of those people. Most people around are normal, sane. They just want, like, a strong economy. You know, they want things to go well for their kids. They want good schools, all that other sane human stuff. And I think that... The Trump fans would really do well to, yes, like you said, go talk to some moderates. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you think DeSantis could win in 2024. Yes. Um, what positive changes do you think DeSantis would probably make first? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so many, first? right? <laughs> oh, like there's so many things he'll be doing. And he's, I mean, you just look at what, so first off, he'll get control of DOJ, fire the people that are necessary to fire. Um, and he'll be, have a much more aggressive handle on that. That's just evidenced by what he's done with his own government and what he's right. done to like local governments. Like he found a way to fire the Tampa Soros DA. That's right. Um, Andrew yeah. Warren. Uh, and and I think I have a longer term thesis about what what happened to Trump during his term was the presidency isn't like being the CEO of a normal company right. because the CEO of a normal company just has authority over the company, like period, end stop. He says something happens, it happens. We want someone fired, they get fired. Like it just happens that way. The president is in this weird, like he has a lot of power, but it's circumscribed by law in ways that are tricky and complicated. And then also sometimes ambiguous that can be pushed and pulled. Like it's just, it's a very, his, what your power is and how you can execute is determined by the law. And, and it's, it's a very complicated question in a lot of instances. So we need a lawyer to be president. And it's weird to say that because most people think we need a businessman, but I'm like, no, 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 no. We need a good lawyer. You know why Obama was so effective? Because he was a good lawyer, He was, right? Like it's not, that's, and I'd be effective. I don't mean pot, you know net beneficial or like he was he was a right. bad president on net but he was very effective at, at achieving progressive goals and pushing the administration in a progressive direction because he was a lawyer and he was a constitutional lawyer specifically yeah. so i look at you know trump got you know he just he pressed a few buttons early on with stuff like the travel ban for muslims and and or you know the not muslim ban those those countries right yeah the country travel ban had some bad things happen just wasn't able to get what he wanted done. And then after that, it's like, well, he's the pilot. He's like a novice pilot in a 747 cockpit, just afraid to push buttons. Right. Yeah. Um, which is such a different take on, you know, we have like the left wing take, which is he's this crazy fascist and the, and the Trump MAGA take, which is he's this brilliant administrator. 40 and, chess, baby. Right. 40 chess, blah, blah, blah. And then there's like <laughs> my take, which I think is the correct take, which is like he was just kind of bumbling, stumbling around in the dark for much of his much of his term except on foreign policy which is where he was actually in charge right Right. yeah he did great there i think um i think you're right about that and and i think that's honestly the most compassionate take for him because i saw going in i was like i hope he knows that the federal government isn't like a business because i know he you know he got famous for or he was most recently famous for firing people but when he got into office he didn't and not only did yeah. he not the, – the issue with that was that not only did he not fire the people he needed to fire who were already installed, he installed some terrible people. And he then lost all will to keep them in line, which – Because he was dependent on their advice because he right. didn't know himself what he could do, right? right. And so – and or how anything worked. And, and I think this is where – uh, you know, and this is one thing about Trump, and it's different from DeSantis. I don't think Trump is a very intellectually curious person. I don't right. Think that's why his nature, right? He's very talented. He's very smart. Right. And he's a brilliant marketer, but he's not intellectually curious in the sense of like he'll, you know, he needs to get a handle on his power. Okay, well, he'll read, he'll have somebody draft up a 50 page paper that explains it, and he'll read it all, and he'll get a complete, he'll get a handle on it. Right. Like, that's not Trump. He, he defer, he, he's like, I want to handle the big picture stuff. That stuff can be handled by advisors. I'll just take their advice. Right. And it's like, that's, well, then you're dependent on who you selected as advisors and you didn't select great advisors. So now we're in the same problem, which is, you know, going back to the, the comment about 
Trump being like an 80 percentile outcome. That's what I mean in the sense of, yeah. you know, I think it'll, it's a much better outcome than the Democrats being in charge. But, you know, we'll get more of this sort of muddle, like, you know, autopilot stuff. Right. I think if Trump is president again. Right. Do you think he will have learned his lesson at all as far as like hiring better advisors if by some miracle he does get back into office in 2024? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, part of the problem is he won't be facing another election, right? Yeah, It'll be a second he won't term. care. Yeah. He won't care. Mm, uh, there won't be the same sort of public pressure. He, I, and I mean, this, this latest fight with Sienna shows, I just don't think, he, he just doesn't care about policy. Because think about it this way. He, he should be nominally on the side of DeSantis against Disney, right? Disney's the white right. corporation that's fighting against a cons- member of the Republican Party trying to uh, stop that. But Trump's rooting on Disney. Like, that's clear from his Truth Social posts. He may, he yeah. may post a policy brief that says the opposite, but Truth Social is where Trump's aid comes out. And Trump, Trump is hoping that just Disney wins the battle against DeSantis because he hates DeSantis. Yeah. But that's a problem because it indicates just, you know, oh, this is still the same guy who's like pretty self-absorbed and thinks of his own interests first before thinking of broader policy interests. So, you know, okay, he he might care about a policy that we want until Kim Kardashian knocks on the door and says, hi, Mr. President, I think you should do this other thing, which is right. totally liberal and nothing your voters would like. But who cares about them? I'm Kim Kardashian. It's like, right. damn, okay. You know, we'll just we'll just get another first step back. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the celebrity presidency. And I think that that goes right hand in hand with him expecting like the 30,000 foot view surface level approach to everything and being able to hand it off to his advisors and make it work that way. I would call that almost the Internet approach where you feel like you can yeah. go out and get like, you know, the, the 30 second view of everything and then that'll make everything work. Doesn't work that way, especially with something as big and clunky and fixed as the federal government um did you see what nikki haley had to say about disney what do you think of her chances after that oh i mean her chances are done and she needs to not just lose but keep be humiliated yes uh, <laughs> i agree I mean, this is uh it's embarrassing to the party it's embarrassing to anybody who's thinking of supporting her um yeah she's taking she's doing the same thing trump was doing right she's taking the side of a woke corporation against a fellow republican i have no time for anybody who does that the, these people are the adversary and if right. you don't treat them as such, then you have no position, no no reason to be anywhere near power in the Republican mm. Party. Like it's time for Nikki Haley to withdraw from the race uh, and from public life and go be a mom. Like, sorry, like your 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 career in politics is done. You have, I mean, and I think hopefully here's the other, here's another point. I think Trump had put Nikki Haley in his administration. He did it before. Yeah, stop him from doing it again. Definitely. I know, I know, DeSantis won't touch her. Right, DeSantis right. will be like, no, you have no role. Go right. home. Like, right. No thanks. Do you want to be a, you? You can be the ambassador to Mongolia if you want. Here, you go. <laughs> here Ulan Batar is lovely in January. Right. <laughs> well, even even if this hadn't been an attack on him personally, an attack lifted directly out of Trump's playbook, I still think DeSantis would have the common sense to be like, "That's just a horrible idea. What the hell are you even talking about?" Right. Like DeSantis Which, has a coherent ideology. He's able to fit take new information and then fit it into like, okay, this is how into his broader approach. So like, even if it's not necessarily in his obvious personal interest. So example, uh, Trump gets prosecuted by Alvin Bragg. Okay. Maybe it's in his direct personal interest to be like, let him get prosecuted. But Sanders had the good sense to, he waited until the information was like crystal clear. He didn't go on rumor, but the moment that Alvin Bragg put out the indictment, he's like, okay, guess what? Uh, you, we are not cooperating with extradition. Right. BS that you're using your power this way. We're not going to cooperate with extradition. Um, mm-hmm. That's just one example of 
how of the general approach, which is not like, you know, he's going to, he's looking out for his political interests, but he's never forgetting that he has how he views the world and that he needs to like, his ultimate role is to defend the interests of his voters. And that's what he's there to do. Right. Well, I don't know if you've seen this latest smear for Ron DeSantis, but somebody was saying that he doesn't go out drinking with the boys after these meetings. He spends time with his family. He'd rather FaceTime his wife. And I'm like, Sounds great. That sounds amazing. Right. Gosh, like, (laughs) what is this, this, it's like the critique of, you know, oh, he's so establishment. He's so establishment. And then it's like, but he doesn't backslap enough with sitting legislators. Like, wait, what? Or, or, you know, the other one, it's like, he's, he's in the pocket of his donors who actually hate him because he doesn't, he doesn't take their calls. Like, what, what are you, pick one, guys. What? like, yeah. what's your line? <laughs> Which is it? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like the, the team Trump cannot decide what the right way to attack him is, um, you know, whether he's beholden to Jeb Bush or, or an asshole for not taking his calls. Like, right. okay. Um, I think the reality is, you know, he's, he's an introverted guy that much I can kind of tell, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. you know, he's not, he's an introverted guy. He's a family guy. Very, you know, I'm an introvert too. Very praiseworthy in terms right. of like, you know, he's right. a beautiful family and clearly, you know, everything's stable at home. Um, and, but at the same time, like, okay, so he's not back slapping other fellow Republican politicians. I thought, I thought this was like, we want the outsider who's going to bring change to Washington. Not the, like the insider who's going to slap a bunch of backs. Right. I don't know. Isn't that what we want? Nominally? Right. Yeah. It is certainly what right. I want. Yeah. That's yeah. what, that's like my perfect, that's my ideal. If I were to put someone in office that I had like handpicked, it would be somebody who, refuses to go along with the crowd who doesn't slap the backs my husband's an introvert too he's going to be a fantastic family man he would not be out drinking with the guys partly because he doesn't drink at all but also because his family is going to be more important right yeah and and i am not convinced that we should put someone in power who is not first and foremost good at leading his own family right i I, I know it's a little bit considered super you know conservative or whatever but I think it's true. Very small. I mean, I think we should prioritize it, right? Like, I think in the sense of that, it's not like a deal breaker in the sense of like, oh no, we need to go vote for Joe Biden, you know? (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah. Right? No, no, no. (laughs) But we vote Republican here. Uh, But, but at the same time, you have the choice between two candidates, and all all things being equal, one's a better family man than the other. I lean towards the better family man. I think that's that's praiseworthy. Right. Um, But that said, you know, if if the family man has bad politics and bad policies, and the and the sort of, you know, rack on terror or whatever has good politics and I would or good policies, I would go for that guy. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, that was kind of what happened in 2016. Well, Hillary Clinton has a relatively stable family, right? But there's no way in hell that anybody's going to vote for her because she's so controversial in the first place. But also- you know, it's so similar in a lot of ways, I think. You know, people people underestimate. I mean, this is like if we run Trump again, it's sort of like the Democrats being like trying to shove Hillary Clinton down our throats in 2016. No, people hated Hillary Clinton. They were tired of her. She had been around forever, forever. And people had had enough of the Clintons. And they (laughs) they made that clear by electing Donald Trump to be president of the United States. Right. Um, if we try as a party to shove Donald Trump down the throats of the American public again, I don't think we will be successful. If I, you know, as I said before, Trump in the sitting in the White House in 2025 is not a bad outcome. It's a good outcome. Right. I just right. don't even think it's feasible. I think right. not not a chance. Right. And people take that so personally, but I'm like, look, at the end of the day, 
my vote doesn't really even matter because I will probably ostensibly vote Republican, whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for my sins, I'll have to because I mm-hmm. I can't agree with anything the Democrats stand for these days. But my vote doesn't matter. It only matters if the person who is in the position to take those votes will appeal to women and independents and moderates and who hasn't estranged so many of their own followers at this point. Because people, mm-hmm. I follow a bunch of people who used to be huge fans of his who now are like, yeah, this is this is kind of scummy behavior toward DeSantis. It's really not principled. I don't like it. And now these people are looking back at what he did, like in 2018, take the guns first, you know, due process second. And they're like, yeah, I don't want more of that. That's not cool. I'm not I'm not ready to go for that again. And I will I will always be eternally grateful for Roe being overturned because of judges that Trump put in office. But, you know, that 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 Trump helped get nominated or whatever. But that's. I don't know. I feel like overall. I don't think he's been smart. I think one of the things he decided to do is really spit in the face of the pro-life movement with his statements. Right. That, uh, you know, like we're 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 not going to support any federal restrictions on abortion. Wild. And he's saying that not in the general when you might be trying to get votes or whatever, but in the primary. Right. Um, and people really underestimate. I mean, there's not a lot of strong activist movements on the right in the same way that there are on the left. You think about Black Lives Matter and stuff, but the one single most effective activist movement on the right is the pro-life movement. That's right. the movement that can get bodies to show up where they want to show up in front of, you know, on the mall, in right. front of Planned Parenthood. It's like they get bodies when they, when they make protests. a call. They yeah. can organize. And yeah. those are the kind of – you don't want that movement opposed to you in, in a primary election. Uh, I, think, I think Trump's made a major miscalculation. I think he just sort of thinks, you know, the way to get back people who are – the moderates who are upset about January 6th, the way to get them back is to moderate on, like, trans issues – and abortion and i don't i think that's wrong i don't think it'll work i also think it's appalling in a sense like these are actually pretty central issues to the right Right. and central issues to our coalition and the idea that you just go moderate on them before in the middle of the primary is is ridiculous uh you know but i guess maybe he thinks he's he's got to go left of DeSantis because he can't go right of him yeah i think that i think that's exactly it and i think that's why he's attacking DeSantis from the left i think that's why he's doing things like you know bumping up against Newsom and siding with Disney and and it and Dan, Donald Trump Jr. even coming out and saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't be boycotting Anheuser-Busch because they give us a lot of money. Like, props for honesty. Seriously, mm-hmm. we appreciate that. But at the end of the day, people who are huge fans of Trump, I've been, I've been seeing saying things like, no way, we're not going to stop boycotting Anheuser-Busch. This is very important to us. Like yeah. very important. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy Bud Light. Why would I buy Bud Light? First There's of all, that's right. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not good. If I want yeah. a replacement, Miller Light and Coors Light are both better anyway. Right. Right. Like, and Bud Light's gonna. You know, they've ne- they still haven't apologized. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. like they they've like re- shut, you know put the, put the person who's responsible for that thing on leave, but they haven't apologized. They haven't said they won't do it again. Yeah. They haven't said we're gonna stay out of the trans debate entirely. Like we're not gonna promote trans influencers, and we're not gonna stay out of it entirely. Like. No, you did something <laughs> like, no, we're not, we're not lifting our voice. Yeah, we're, we're not good on this one. Are. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, and, and that's a little bit, it, to me, that's reminiscent of watching the NFL kind of isolating, you know, keeping themselves away from conservatives. I'm like, who do you think watches your shows? Seriously, who do you think yeah. watches your game shows? <laughs> games, sorry, yeah. I'm not a sports person, <laughs> so I don't know anything yeah. about it. But. No, we're, I mean, they're, it's, it's, uh, 
it's, you know, it just shows that we have a lot of work to do on the culture. We need an effect, you know, yet another reason we need an effective culture warrior at the top of the ticket. <laughs> like we can right. keep, you know, it's funny how you can take any number of different debates and be like, oh yes, that's also why we should have Ron Stannis be our nominee in 24. Right. Right. <laughs> like this well, is yet another reason. hundred yeah. percent. Well, Andrew Breitbart notoriously said, you know, politics is downstream of culture. And Andy and I are coming to the conclusion that everything is culture. Like literally everything, 100%. And I, I think that Trump might possibly be stuck in 2020 when it would have been mm-hmm. more more possible and we would have been more amenable to the idea of negotiating on stuff like trans issues and all that other stuff. I don't know about the pro-life thing, but I feel like he's at least stuck in 2020, if not 2016, when people were much more, you know, they were much more willing to go along with what seemed like a much more reasonable Democratic Party and some of their positions. Like, yeah. There was, I mean, are you kidding? There was even a point in time where the Democratic Party was anti-war. And I mean, that's something we could have agreed on hugely, but of course not anymore. And I think Trump might just be stuck a few years back. And DeSantis is 100% in the minute. 